How can you not be romantic about baseball? Bringing a high drive to left. This baby's way back. It is out of here. I don't believe what I just saw. Coswell slashes one foul. Oh, that hit a bird, and it bounces back into fair territory. Oh, I got to I got to check the rule book on this one, folks. I'm too drunk to taste this chicken. Our ass is in the jackpot now. You're listening to Booze and Baseball. There's 50 feet of crap. And then there's us. A baseball first podcast, sort of, featuring Derek Johnson. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. And Dusty Baker. I heard that. Dynamite drop-in money. That broadcast school has really paid off. So sit back and enjoy the talk around the diamonds with a cold one in hand. Today's secret ingredient is I love scotch. I love scotch. Scotch is got scotch. Here it goes down. Down into my belly. Hello and welcome into another edition of Goose and Baseball. This is episode number 53 with Dusty Baker. I am Derek Johnson. Our throwback and chug stat of the week on May 5th, 1933, Pepper Martin, what a name there, hit for the cycle. And then six years later, May 5th again, 1939, Sam Chapman hit for the cycle. Maybe we'll get another cycle being hit on May 5th. Dusty, what are you drinking and what is your review? I think we need to have five cycles so we get the full Cinco de Mayo in action there. Um, I am drinking uh, something that may help us actually get those five cycles. Uh, this drink is called Lucky Day IPA. Um, so maybe it's our lucky day. I don't know. Uh, it's from Central Coast, Central Coast Brewing, uh, which is right here in San Luis Obispo. I'm going to give it a little crack. I've actually never had a beer from there, and people have told me for a while that I need to. So here's number one right here. And... It's pretty good. Um, I will uh, give a review a little later on, but it's a seven percent alcohol volume, and uh, yeah, it's it's not too hoppy, uh, which I I prefer. Um, it's pretty basic, I would say, but uh, on the on the better side, I would actually say it's not not too bad. What about you? Okay, so I have a Kona Brewing Company, which name of my dog, so that gives it bonus points. I've had the Kona Big Wave, which is the one with the blue cap. I've had the Kona Longboard. I've never had the Kona Light. Blonde ale. What is that bottle opener? We've gone over this before. This oh yeah, Thor's that's hammer. right. Yeah, it's the Thor hammer. Hmm. Hmm. Blonde ale, solid. I don't think it's as good as the longboard or the. Uh, I don't know. This is a single for me. This is a single. I'll drink one, but I'm gonna be uh, hitting for the fences next time up. If that makes sense. That makes okay. Sense. We like. Um, it. So I, I want to start this up. We did it a little bit in the postseason, but we ran out of time and we never finished the game. So we're going to start it here. It's going to be our season-long MLB beer pong. And maybe it'll end before the season and we'll get to a second game or however many games we get to. Um, so just a reminder of how this works. I'll, I'll let you go first here. You're going to pick two teams. And you're going to pick two teams to win their series. You can either pick a Thursday through Sunday series or a Friday through Sunday series. But – you're going to have an easier time picking a Friday through Sunday series if you want to pick the winner. And if they win the series, it's like you made one of your beer pong shots. If you get both of them, you get balls back. If you go for two, you don't get a cup. If you go one for two, 
you hit one of the cups and then it's my turn. Make sense? It makes perfect sense to me. I, I like that one a lot. And uh, I think, uh, yeah, you're right. The going for uh, the, the Friday through Sunday series would just logistically make more sense to me. Um, yeah, Thursday through Sunday, like I feel like every four game series is just two to two. I don't know. <laughs> a lot of, I mean, you saw the Diamondbacks and the Cardinals split. So who knows? I, although the Diamondbacks have looked like the greatest team in the history of forever. Um, all right. So with that in mind, I will probably have to be a homer here. Um, the Cubs have not been looking great. Say Suzuki, their best hitter, has been really struggling. The Dodgers pitching has been really locked down, and you're going to see their best pitchers this weekend. I will probably have to go with the Dodgers on the road at the Cubs as one of those. Okay. Um, in the future, I'm just presenting this rule now. Because if, if you make a cup and, and hit the series, then you get to pick which cup it is. And we'll keep track of the diagram there. Um, if you call for a sweep and you hit it, that is the equivalent of bouncing a ball. Okay. I'm not, I'm not going to call for a sweep. I, okay. Th- this is a classic two out of three for me. Okay. What's your uh, second series? What's your second beer punk shot? Yeah. The way that the Yankees have been playing has been just lights out. The Rangers have also looked very awful offensively. Their pitching is pathetic and the series is in new york uh i don't see how the yankees lose the rangers a series at home so yeah i gotta go with the two big bad dodgers and yankees the yankees will take it over the rangers um in this series you know what like you garrett cole versus Otto in game one which you know that favors the yankees you've mm. severino versus- not a big glenn Otto guy yeah not not a diehard i i think he's decent but um not when he's facing garrett cole uh, the game two is Severino versus Dunning. That might be the one the Yankees slip up on just because uh, Dunning is, I think, a little underrated in that sense. But then you have John Gray who just cannot figure it out at all on Sunday against Jordan Montgomery who has figured it out. I'm going to take my chances. I'm going to go with the uh, the bounce here. I'll go with the sweep. Okay. All right. So he's going to the Yankees sweep. They've won a time of recording. They've won 11 games in a row. So I would have to get up even more unless they, they lose while we're recording. Okay, um, so th- what we're going to do today, we have a shotgun six-pack, but uh, we're going to do this segment that I'm calling like a uncorking the fine wine. So, um, you know, with wine, you hear the cliche all the time, like, oh, it ages like a fine wine. If you are a good, you know, older wine or, or a classic, you're going to want to age it a little so it becomes an even better beverage. But if it's, if it's a wine that you just bought and you're just like, you know, I'm not really worried about how's, how this ages or I don't really need to because it's not that expensive of a wine, you're just going to crack it open or, you know, uncork the bottle whenever and just drink it whenever you want to drink it, right? There's not going to be like a, hey, I need to let this sit for five years or 10 years or put it in my wine cellar for a while and then I'll pull it out on, on some special occasion. So we're going to go through some first and second year players and we're not going to go through everyone um some guys we just won't get to some guys are maybe just too obvious like clearly i'd be buying tyler mcgill and alec bohm right now with with things that they're doing um but first and second year players who have had kind of high prospect pedigrees coming up and discuss whether in a dynasty league we're either holding them to age into a fine wine or if we're essentially just we don't really think the value is going to get any higher than this. And we're just saying, no, you know what? If you get a good offer for it, 
take it because, you know, just drink it now, right? So does that make sense as we get oh, into our first part? It was the best analogy I think you've ever given. I, I love it. I think that there, <laughs> there's no finer way of explaining this than fine wine. So well done. Well done. Mm. That was really, really well done. Thank you. Okay, so the first player we're going to look at is Spencer Torkelson. Spencer Torkelson, who made it up this year right off the bat with the Detroit Tigers. Um, just a home run bopper from his time with Arizona State and then what he could do in the minors. So far this season, the average isn't really there. 190. He does have a good on-base percentage, though. He clearly has shown the ability to hit for some power. But the strikeout rate is really high for Spencer Torkelson. Do you think that he'll reach all that high potential that he could possibly have? Or would you try to just drink him now and essentially sell high on the wine that is Spencer Torkelson? You know, I think that he's going to have 40 home run pop, but my one concern is, is he going to be more of the Pete Alonso type or are we going to see a guy that goes out there and um, kind of hits Adam Dunn style, right? Goes out there, hits 40 home runs and hits 200. It's a little concerning to me. Um, I like a lot of what I've seen through his baseball savant page. Um, his average exit velocity is up in the 83rd percentile. You're seeing the max exit velocity near the top as well. Hard hit rates high. The expected batting average, though, is not pretty. The K rate, as you mentioned, is really horrible. Whiff rate's not great. Um, outs above average is not great either. I Part of me feels like maybe this is the time to sell on him if you – have a league which really heavily values, you know, high prospect potential. And, and I think Torkelson does have some great potential for the power side, but if you're trying to build your team to have five categories, um, and what I mean by that is a guy that's going to have power, speed, um, straight up hit tool, scoring runs, this may not be the guy, actually. He will probably give you home runs. He may give you RBIs. The Tigers have been a light hitting team this year, but I mean, I expect the future to be bright, especially with Riley Green at the top of that lineup. I still think that if you can get some significant value for him, he may actually be a guy that I trade. And I wasn't planning on saying that initially, but the more that I think about it, the more, you know, he's on the older side. He was in college baseball um, before coming over. So it's not like he's one of the younger prospects per se. Um, I think the strikeout does kind of concern me a little bit. And if I am being honest, I value power, but not that much. So, yeah, I'd probably actually sell the wine before I let it age. So I agree with you. I would, I would do the same thing because I think uh, this profile of player, player, to your point, like you can find some of those guys, and we're seeing like some of those guys struggle. Like the, the one that immediately comes to mind for me is Fran Mill Reyes, a guy who in a given year could be great for you in fantasy. He could hit, you know, if, if the average is up 250, 260 and get you 40 home runs and a lot of RBI and stuff. But what happens when those down years come about and you only do hit 220, 230 with 30 home runs and you're not getting good average, you're not getting great OBP because the average is so down. Um, it's not that I don't think Spencer Torkelson will be a good player, but like you look at, so I'm on Fantasy Pros right now, does Spencer Torkelson ranked 50th for uh, dynasty slash keeper players? I think at that value, I think there's a better chance that he ends up in that, like, I don't know, 70 to 100 range for in terms of top players. So if you can get a good offer because of the fact that he is this new up and coming, you know, prospect um, that still has a shine to him, I think I agree with you. I think I would just open it, um, get the cork out and start drinking it right now and sell it as soon as I could. 
Okay, uh, next up on the list is Bobby Witt Jr., who hit his first career home run, did it against the Cardinals. What would you do with Witt? Bobby Witt Jr. is my version of a Chianti Classico. So, fun fact, I, uh, and I'm going to show it to you. I have it at my desk. All right, so for those that are listening, I have this bottle of wine, and it will never be opened, or at least it won't be open for the next, like, 20 to 30 years. Okay, I was in Italy – um, bought this bottle of wine. It was way expensive. I did not plan on doing that. Um, they got me in the wine tasting. <laughs> they, they caught me big time. And this bottle is dated back to 2013, Derek. So we're already talking about it's nine years aged. Um, I'm not coming close to uncorking this baby until I have the biggest event of my life, right? Like That's how I feel about this. Bobby Wood Jr. is the same way for me. I don't care about any numbers he's putting up right now. He is one of those prospects you consider to be a young prospect, right? Because he didn't go play college baseball. He went straight from being drafted out of high school to going through the quick minor league system and descending to the MLB. He's going to have a ton of time at the league. He's going to have plenty of time to adjust. He's got all five tools. He's going to offer at every category. I really don't care if he even hits, you know, less than a hundred this year. I'm still holding on to him. There's zero reason why you trade Bobby Witt Jr. If you're in a keeper dynasty league. I agree. Um, he is a guy who realistically, when um, the potential kind of comes around, like that's what we're kind of talking about there. Like the potential with Torkelson, I don't know that it is being like this MVP candidate. I think it's just like a high power guy. Whereas the Witt, he is like that, that kind of cliche of the five cool player. He could get you 20, 30 steals. He could get you 20 to 30 home runs he could get you a bunch of rbi and, and hit it at the top of the order when all is well i don't think the average is going to ever be super high for him but i don't think it's ever going to be super low except for maybe this year like maybe it could be in the 230 240 250 range um so i i'm very much in on bobby Witt again like looking at fantasy pros it has him ranked 22nd for uh long-term keepers and, and dynasty players i view him long term as being like a top 10 guy you know what i mean so uh, from that standpoint, I agree. I would be putting it away in the cellar and letting it age for a little bit longer. Next up on the list is Mackenzie Gore, our first pitcher who has come up with the Padres and looked pretty good so far. So what would you do with Gore? Gore is an interesting one. So part of it is, and Derek will tell you accordingly, I've only just recently come around to valuing starting pitching. I used to be a guy that loved to stream. I, I kind of saw that to be more valuable. But over time, I've noticed that streaming pitchers is just a really risky move at this point. Um, and I mean incredibly risky. There are way less really quality pitchers out there as more data becomes available, um, more guys that just can't stay healthy. Um, too many issues where there's now you you have the opener, right? And so starting pitchers over time have become more valuable in my opinion. With that in mind, with the way that Mackenzie Gore is showing uh, the ability to strike out hitters and at this young age, I mean, he is also one of those Bobby Witt-esque players that came up, uh, came straight out of you know high school and they expected him to be the next Clayton Kershaw. They may have had some way over-the-top expectations for him, but he's already delivering that he can be a mainstay in this rotation and be really competitive from a fantasy perspective. I, I love him. I think that he's a great player. I would not trade him away. I, I'm stalking him in the cellar right next to Bobby Wood Jr. I know I, I shouldn't do this because they're so different, and Mackenzie Gore was always projected for a way higher ceiling, but like I, 
I can't get Chris Paddock out of my head that he had this like great rookie season and then something just happened there with the Padres. But it's also more so for me that I just am to a point where like every good young pitcher is going to have to have Tommy John at some point. Fair. And so I'd rather buy into the pitcher. Like this goes back to a conversations we've had on here of like the best time to buy into pitching are like when they're 28, 29, 30 years old and you might not get as many years out of them. But, like, you, you feel like you know what you're getting a little bit better. You feel like you know the path and the direction that that's going to go. So just from the standpoint of this is just a philosophical play for me, I, I do kind of believe in, in what Mackenzie Gore is doing. I do think he's good. But if you have somebody else who feels that same way and wants to give you a good amount for him, I think just because of the value of being a young starting pitcher that I think there could be a lot of tribes and tribulations along the way, I would – um, uncork it and, and drink it now and, and sell him if you could. But also, you know, Fantasy Pros, it, this just maybe hasn't caught up yet, but he is uh, ranked 278th on the keeper list. And I just don't think that's maybe adjusted yet. But if you're only getting value of there, then no, for sure you put him in the seller. But if somebody is willing to give you an offer of like putting him in the same category as I'm trying to think of like some other good young pitchers, Alec Manoa or Shane McClanahan or something like that, then you pull the trigger in a heartbeat, in my opinion. Okay, uh, next up on the list is Julio Rodriguez, who, just like Bobby Witt, has had a bit of a slow start to the season, but just like Bobby Witt, hit his first home run of the season and of his MLB career earlier this week. What are your thoughts on J-Rod? You know, when you look at his savant page, uh, his outs above average indicates to you this guy just has been incredibly unlucky. It's been a, hey, welcome to the MLB, young lad. Uh, We're going to take away every possible base hit you can have. Um, And he's kind of had that. Uh, How about the speed that Julio Rodriguez has demonstrated so far? I'm a huge fan. Um, I think there's so much potential to this kid. Uh, He really looks to me like Matt Kemp 2.0. I mean, you have a guy that can you know, potentially hit 35, 40 home runs, a guy that now clearly can steal at least 30 to 40 bases. I mean, we may be talking about a premium player uh, at this point. So, yeah, I'm absolutely keeping him in the cellar. Uh, I'm not even going marginally close to even listening to offers for him. So Jeremy Frank, highly recommend following him on Twitter. He's at MLB Random Stats. He pointed this out a couple of days ago. And this was on May 1st, so it's been a few games since then. But Julio Rodriguez already has nine stolen bases and a 450-foot home run in his first 21 games. All of this despite having gotten hit with 10 – think about this. He has gotten hit with 10 called strikeouts on pitches outside the zone. That is twice as many as anyone else in the MLB. That's nearly once every two games he's just losing an out for uh, what should be a ball. So I – it's just kind of unfortunate for him to happen. Um, I love Julio Rodriguez. Uh, I have him in our fantasy league. I've had him since he first became available in our league. I, I picked him up late in the season because he just kind of popped up out of nowhere. And I am all aboard the Julio Rodriguez. Uh, you know, he's, he's at a 36% strikeout rate like right now. And, and a big part of that is because of those strikeout lookings. But, like, uh, over the course of his career in the minors, these are his strikeout rates. 16%, 22, 14, 21, 18 so, like, that's going to go down. He's a really good player, and I think he has kind of the same way I feel about uh, Bobby Witt. Like, I view this guy as being long-term a top-ten player in uh, Dynasty League. So, I would for sure be 
sitting tight on Julio, especially since he's had kind of a slow start to the season. The next guy who his slow start to the season has caused him to drop back to triple A, that would be one Joe Adele for the LA Angels. Yeah, I have a hard time with this because his value now has actually dropped off, right? Um, mm-hmm. how, how do you even value him? It's going to be really suspect, I would say, league to league. Uh, maybe somebody that you know finds potential still in a uh, former top name, but I'm having a hard time just finding the value. And I almost have to say this. You, you kind of are forced into this little corner where why would you trade him now? You know, like if you trade him now, you're probably getting minimal value. Uh, I don't even know what your return looks like for him. It's almost better just for the case of it to stash him, keep him in the cellar, see what he does at AAA, and hold on to him just because why would you sell him at his low value? And quite frankly, you're probably not going to get much for him. So you may find more value in just saying, I will bite the bullet. If the sky doesn't work out, case or raw, I move on. But I don't trade him now because I I just don't I don't even see what you can get in return. Now, if you get a good offer, if you get a good offer for this guy somehow, some way, you're and by that I mean you're playing in a league with Angels fans. You know, that's that's the that's really the only way that I can see it. Um then yeah, sure, pull the trigger. Absolutely. If you find uh what you find to be feasible top one hundred talent, like absolutely take it. I, I have a really hard time projecting this guy. There have been episodes where he looks like a guy that could be a top 30, top 40 player. And then at the same time, he looks like a guy that reminds me of Lewis Brinson. So I, I have a hard time figuring out exactly what's happening with Adele. And it doesn't help, by the way, that Taylor Ward is playing as well as he is right now because the Angels are less desperate now to fill that role. Yeah, so I, I guess it does kind of depend where he's being valued. If he's being valued where it's like, oh, this guy stinks, like just give me, you know, just flip me something terrible for him, then no, you don't do it. But like, again, going back to fantasy pros out of reference, he's ranked 106th on the uh, Keeper Dynasty rankings, which let me give you some names around this area. 102 is Chris Sale. 103 is Brennan Davis. 104 is JT Real Muto. 105 is Shane McClanahan. 107 is Christian Yelich. 108 is Adley Rutschman, 109 to Brian Hayes. Like, I would take any of those guys in a heartbeat if they were offered for him 1v1 in a trade. Absolutely. I, I totally agree. I mean, you hear that name, Adley Rutschman, and I'm, I'm hopping all over that if somebody is dumb enough to make that trade. Um, yeah, I, I just don't see Adele even at that value. I, I, you hear Brendan Rodgers, by the way. That's a little shockingly high. Um, I do not value him that high. Uh, but – Everybody else around there, I mean, absolutely. You're accepting that offer immediately. Um, I hear Shane McClanahan. If you can pull a guy like that, young I think talent, he should be higher. But you think McClanahan? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I totally agree. Yeah, yeah, that's a way low of a ranking. Um, for comparison, too, by the way, because I'm looking at those rankings as we speak, and they have a guy like Willie Adamas who's really struggled early on, uh, ranked 91. So. Uh, Whit Merrifield, same concept at 89. It really is person to person how you value these guys, but I just don't see a ton of future value of Adele. I, I, I don't. Um, but I'm also not going to sell them for nothing because why would I do that? There, there's, there's no reason. Right. Here's an interesting one. Say a Suzuki or Joe Adele. Who do you want in a dynasty I take, league? I take Say Suzuki. Uh, I think it's not even a question for me. Yeah. 
Yeah. I think um, so. Uh, part of the problem for Joe Adele, he strikes out a lot. He doesn't walk a lot. He's terrible at defense. And, you know, you look at who knows with, with the ball being more dead this year and shifts going to be going next year. Like maybe uh, contact is going to be valued a little bit more. And he does have so much power and so much potential and has some speed. I just wonder if he's at this point, like, is his ceiling like Eddie Rosario, which is fine. He's a, he's a good MLB player, but, that's not really what you signed up for with Joe Adele when he was a top five prospect and maybe had to invest a lot in to get him. So I actually would be selling high on him. I, I know it's not selling high. That's probably actually the wrong way to put it. But selling right now, just because I feel like you could at least get a top 100-ish player. And if you can get a top 100-ish player, I would rather have that at this point than Joe Adele. The next guy on the list is C.J. Abrams. He had a strong uh, last week or so after he had kind of a rough start to the season. What are your thoughts on CJ? The, the baby-faced wonder of San Diego. Oh, how we love CJ. I, I think that he is going to be a very solid talent, but it's also really hard to diagnose this player just because, you know, he's 21 years old. He hasn't shown a lot of pop. Um, he's got a ton of speed. And you know that once Fernando Tatis Jr. comes up, all of a sudden it makes it a huge question mark as to, what do we do with CJ? Is he going back down? Probably not. Uh, does he go to second base? Well, you have to wonder about Cronenworth, and you have to wonder about what Hosmer is doing at first. Like, like there's a lot of different weird dynamics to this too. Um, but with all that in mind, I would not trade this guy. I think that he is so young and offers so much potential for that speed category. I think the power comes uh, over time. I really do. He's so young that he's got to really grow into his body to, to develop. And I think the Padres are going to do a good job to get him to that point. They obviously did that with Fernando Tatis Jr. And um, yeah, just from the developmental standpoint, he's also able to play next to and under Fernando Tatis Jr. and Manny Machado. Um, to me, I think that you have to take the human element into consideration there now I'm not valuing him as I do Bobby Wood Jr. or Julio Rodriguez but I'm also not going to trade him away just because he was a high rated prospect if you get good value for him then maybe not a bad decision he kind of reminds me in some weird way of J.P. Crawford actually um, but I think that your probably best bet is to hold on yeah I mean if you're in an average league it's pretty beneficial but he just I just don't know if he has any power um fantasy pros he's ranked 88th at that point like gosh uh Chris Bryant is ranked 68th on here but also Chris Bryant's older if somebody offered me Chris Bryant for CJ Abrams I'm taking that would you yeah I would take that too although Chris Bryant hasn't been showing any power no. really in uh Coors Field so so there, there's point. yeah there's a whole other story in itself right there um where I'm almost sitting here and saying the numbers of Chris Bryant haven't really made me want to buy him anymore. Um, but I'm okay, gonna... here's an interesting one. Here's yeah. an interesting one. Yohan Moncada is ranked three spots ahead of, of Abrams on these dynasty rankings. Who yeah, would you rather have? I'm taking Abrams. I, I think Moncada is headed down the wrong side. He's on the IL again. Um, I, I think that if you're looking just in, I would say, maybe a 10 to 15 slot differential – in terms higher or lower of where we're sitting on these rankings. Um, I, I see a name like Shane Boz. I see O'Neill Cruz. I see Will Smith, um, Carlos Rodon, George Springer. If you could get a George Springer 
for CJ Abrams offer, it's not even a question for me at that time. Right. Um, and, and then you look at Zach Gallen. I think Gallen would be the interesting one. If you were offered Zach Gallen for CJ Abrams, would you take it? Yes, I yes. would. Zach okay. Gallen's been so good to start the season. Yeah. I do have questions about his power long-term. The Mankata one's interesting because Mankata kind of lost his power uh, as well. And so Abrams is uh, – Mankata is going to be 27 in a few weeks here. So about a six-year age dump. But I don't think it's, it's that different. I just – with Abrams, my thing is I feel like – like as much as I would be willing to cut ties with Joe Adele, there is very much a world where Joe Adele clicks and he hits and – Oh, no uh, he gets the K Ray down and he yeah, ends no up doubt. as like a top 30 fantasy player. With CJ Abrams, I don't really see the world where he is a top 30 fantasy player. I just see him being like a very high floor prospect who's going to hit around 300 for like a very long time with five to 10 home runs and good steal numbers and good doubles numbers and solid on base and average, but just not like a top 40, top 50 player. So I guess that is how I would view it in terms of who you could get for him. Jonathan India is on the IL right now for the Cincinnati Reds. Rookie of the year last year. He struggled early in this year. What would you do with him? Jonathan India, I think, is going to be fine as a player. I am so concerned, and I feel bad for the guy. Number one, if Jonathan India magically is listening to this podcast, brother, I am so sorry. They have not helped you out at all there in Cincinnati. That is a garbage team, terrible lineup. And there is no support for India to be able to do anything in that lineup. How is he supposed to see a good pitch down the middle? It's never going to happen. So you have to really be patient with a guy like India until the Reds are able to figure out how to get out of this disaster that they created for themselves. Like, literally, they did not have to do this, but they decided to make this a horrible team. I mean, straight up, that's what they did. And it's a real bummer because I think a guy like India offers great fantasy potential. Let's be honest. He was being picked within the top 100 picks to start the year. Um, With that being said, we're talking about would we trade them or would we hold on to them? I think based on the concept that I don't think India is going to be in a lineup that's going to be good for the next two to three years, I would sell him at the height of his value. I really would. And it sucks because I like him as a player. I think he offers really good value actually but I don't think he offers good value when he has literally nobody else in the lineup to support him so with that being said if you're looking at that fantasy pros website uh kind of just talking about inherent value um of guys moving forward I mean you're talking about a guy that I think has the potential to be a top 50 player right now he's ranked 57 on that list but then I just look a couple slots higher or lower I mean I'm seeing Max Scherzer one slot lower, right? And Nolan Arenado a few slots lower than that. Arenado's as hot as any player in the league. How about Alec Manoa also down there? I just I think that there's better guys. Alex Bregman, Paul Goldschmidt. I, I could go down this list. I, I think that if you're going to sell for the height, do it. Yeah, and that's where the age thing comes in with India. Like, how much do you buy it long term? I I kind of view him as being like a guy that is being hurt by the dead end ball, maybe more than some other people. Like he was never a big power guy in the minors. Uh, he was just like a solid hitter all around. But last year he goes out and hits 21 home runs uh, with the Reds. Cause you're in a hitter's ballpark and maybe the ball wasn't as dead as it was now. I think what you're seeing, he's not really walking again. He's on the IL right now, but the K rate is about in line with where it was last year. I mean, it's actually slightly better. 
his BABIP is up to 382. So it's not like he wasn't getting a lot of hits when he was in there in terms of when he was making contact. It's just that the slugging is so down. His ISO was at 045. His slugging was at 341. I wonder how much – like there's certain hitters that I, I just can't help but wonder if they've been most impacted by the dead-end ball, and he is one of them. So that kind of scares me. And so, yes, if, if his value is 57 in your league like it is on Fantasy Pros here, I would 100% be selling high on that. Even if he was like top 70 because I view him as kind of being like a borderline top 90, top 100 guy moving forward. So, yes, I would uh, probably uncork that one. Logan Gilbert has had quite the start for the Seattle Mariners. What would you do with that young pitcher? Man, Logan Gilbert looks like the truth, my man. I, I really like what I've seen from him so far. And we, we talked about how we don't trust young pitchers, and it's a small, small sample size. But Gilbert is pitching in a division uh, where the ball is not flying nearly as much, right? The Angels are showing some pop, but the Astros lineup is taking a step back. Uh, the A's lineup is really not that impressive at all. Um, and then you have the Rangers who can't seem to figure it out offensively. So you already know that uh, probably three of those four teams, he's going to have a very decent effort against at least. He's super young, as we had talked about. I'm, I'm holding on to him. There's not a lot of young pitchers that I completely trust. I feel like he's shown me enough to where I believe in him. And also, when you look at, I guess, surface-level value, it's not like people are pushing him as a top 100 player keeper-wise, which is bizarre. Um, and so for that reason alone, I think that you hold on to him. He, he can gain more value this year for you. Yeah, so this one's interesting because if the value is like what it is on Fantasy Pros where it doesn't seem like it's caught up yet and it, it, it hasn't been 122, I'm for sure holding on to that. Uh, here's the thing. He has a .64 ERA. He is leaving 99.2% of runners on base. Um, he is projected for 73 over the course of the season. So it doesn't mean he'll be a bad pitcher or anything, but like the projections still have him over the course of the season working up to like a high threes low four ERA and he's still a young pitcher. So that wouldn't be like a terrible season or anything like that. Um, he's just not a guy that gets like a ton of strikeouts and gets a ton of whiffs and all these things. So if you can find someone that values him like this top five young pitcher or something like in terms of pitchers, 26 and younger, like he's, he's the top guy or one of the top guys, I would say, let him fly, let him go because you might not get a better value for him than right now. Like, seriously, he is a 25-year-old pitcher who has a .64 ERA right now. You're not going to get much more value than this. I really don't believe so. Now, again, if he goes out there and pitches like this for the next 10 years, then even though maybe you don't get as much value as that, you are going to have more value by how many games he plays for you. But I just think if you can sell high and get, like, a good haul for him, I would absolutely do it. But, again, it kind of comes down – to how the rest of your league is, is treating him. Jazz Chisholm is once again off to a phenomenal start. He got off to a really good start last season. He's doing that again this year. Now, last season, what kind of ended it was him getting hurt. So what are you doing with uh, Jazz? Jazz Chisholm to me is, is such a weird situation because he offers power and speed and um, premium positions as well. If you're in uh, Yahoo leagues, he offers second and shortstop that's a lot of value that comes with that along with the stolen bases. He gives you the power of course, and he hits at the top of the order. Um, I think that at age 24, this is going to be more of a mainstay. You know, he's in the elite percentile for sprint speed. You know, he's going to steal around 30 bases if he stays healthy. Um, 
with that being said, from a keeper perspective, I mean, where you're kind of seeing him valued at right now, it's really all over the place. Um, and it's hard to exactly diagnose where he belongs. He's ranked right now on that Fantasy Pros website, 53. I feel like he could be higher, if we're being honest. And I'm holding on to him. I think that if you're in a win-now mode, you absolutely hold on to him. You're not trading him away. If you're trying to win in the near future, maybe you do trade him away. But I, I don't know. I, I He's one of those guys you almost could see yourself building a team around. Um, I, I really like him. I know that those numbers probably won't stay because we saw that kind of drop off last year too. Uh, and the lineup is not great around him, but I, I like Jazz personally, and I, I think he's a guy that I stash and keep away. I'm a little worried. So last year in April and March, he had a 175 OPS plus, 969 OPS. Uh, from then on, he went on to record these numbers by month in OPS, 658, 701, 670, 705, 657. Those are all bad numbers. And he is starting off hot again. I don't know if this is just like a repeat thing that's going to happen or if it was just a young player hitting a wall and, and he's going to work past that. I, I do always worry with guys who are so speed dependent for their value. Like how long is that going to stay? In the case of a guy like Whit Merrifield, he's in his like mid thirties. He's still running a lot and that can work out. Okay. But a lot of times you see guys who get a lot of steals. Once they hit that second contract, they just stop stealing bases. And so I don't, I don't know if he would be that guy, but that that's so far down the road that it might not really matter. Um, I just don't see him as a high, a high average guy. I don't see him as a high OBP guy. He is just that kind of power and speed base, which to your point is great because he's at premium positions and not a lot of guys have that, that combo of the two. So I like Jazz. If I get the right offer for it, I'm trading him, but I also am not actively seeking a trade for him, if that makes sense. Because I want to kind of play it out with him a little bit longer. Like he's, he's not one that I'm putting in the cellar and locking away for 10 years. He's one I'm putting in the cellar and letting it age for a few months. And then I'm going to come back around and, you know, see if, okay, is now the time? Because if he does start to struggle again in the next two months, like he did last year, then you might just be thinking he's just like a Jed Lowry in terms of right. being that guy who always starts hot. Okay. Uh, next up on the list. And last one we got here is Jared Kellenick, who had a really bad season last year. He has not done much better early on to start 2022. Yeah, Jared Gelenic to me is a, a massive concern. And I think you could trade him at the height of his value. He's been playing horrible defense. His bat has not shown up at all. Um, it, it is a massive concern to me, especially because, you know, the, the Mariners lineup is not that bad. Uh, he's got pieces around him, and he's just straight up not producing right now at the, uh, the level that everybody hoped. With that being said, he's a young player. He's got future value that we all know about. He's only 22 years old. Um, but you know, more of his defensive numbers look great in terms of like opportunity His outfield jump is insane. Uh, one thing that is a positive, he does get a pretty high max exit velocity. The only problem is he doesn't seem to make great contact and that's showing at this time. I I'm selling at the height of the value, Derek. I, I don't know if this is a guy I'm patient enough for. I, yeah, I, uh, I was pretty shocked seeing what he was on Fantasy Pros. I mean, I remember when he first came up, and the value was like, this could be a top 15 dynasty player right off the bat before he'd even played an MLB game. Um, I, even after last year struggling, hitting 181, even though he's hit 132 right now, it still has him 29th on Fantasy Pros. So, like, out of curiosity, 28th is Brandon Woodruff, 30th is Corey Seager. And if you told me 
that somebody's going to offer me Brandon Woodruff for Jared Kellenick. I know he's a lot older, but I'm taking that deal. If somebody offers me Corey Seager for Jared Kellenick, I know he's older, but I'm taking that deal because there's no guarantee that Jared Kellenick ever turns into even a top 100 player given how he has played so far. Now, he does have the potential to do that. Maybe if you are a rebuilding team, you hold out a little bit longer because of the fact that you're kind of swinging for the fence at that point. But I'm just kind of ready to cut ties. It does not look good. He's striking out 39% of the time. It just feels like the longer he stays up, the worse it gets, which is like opposite of, you know, Julio Rodriguez had the rough start, but he's slowly working it together. Bobby Witt had the slow start. He's slowly working it together. Same for C.J. Abrams. We're not seeing any of those like kind of progressions early on for Jared County, and he's still just 22. So, I mean, the dude has plenty of time. He could still turn into a productive hitter. I just, I don't love the approach right now. And so from a standpoint of, you know, if he was ranked 70th right now, yeah, hold on to him. But the fact that he is still ranked in the top 30, take your bait, uncork the wine, drink it, and have a good night. All right, so that's the final player we have there. Let's get to our shotgun six-pack. Your thoughts on the new baseball are? It's awful. Uh, it's ru- ruining the game. I mean, uh, I think that Derek and I kind of talked about this a little bit before the show. We're seeing fantasy players' numbers just dropping off significantly. And how much of that is them being in the slump and how much of that is them really just getting a lot of the baseball and the ball factoring into the rest of the equation where they're not getting the results that they normally would, right? I'm seeing guys like Max Muncie that is really impacting. We talked about Jonathan India being a guy that has kind of been affected by that. I'm guessing a bunch of the players in this league have really suffered uh, substantially from these numbers. Consequently, it's not like the pitcher's numbers are that much more impressive. So uh, it's kind of a weird distinction there. But I think some of our better players in the league are definitely suffering from that. Then you see a guy like Aaron Judge who has just – pure raw power and it's not affecting him as much because he may be one of the most powerful hitters in the league so it may be separating the guys like judge from some of the players that have just a little bit less power but um have pretty good swings on the ball i think of a guy like trey turner um and there's the distinction right there there's the differential so you're going to see bigger dudes pete alonzo being another one where the ball just jumps off their bat. I think Christian Walker is a weird one. Um, the fact that Christian Walker has six home runs right now is shocking. Um, not, not a guy that I think any of us saw coming. So, yeah, the, the baseball is ruining it. I, I hate it. I absolutely hate it. I want to give it a little bit of time just because of let's see what happens in the summer when it heats up a little. Because if you remember, they started really slow last year too. This is a little even slower than that though. Um, but the problem is if – you know, the, the distance on balls is carrying less right now, even though it'll carry more in the summer because it's warmer, it'll still carry less than normal. So, um, yeah, you're right. There are certain guys that really get kind of hamstrung by that. And I can't help but wonder, you know, you see a guy like Jesse Winker, who like goes from uh, a great hitter's ballpark in Cincinnati, then goes to a good hit, uh, pitcher's ballpark in Seattle. That already hurts you a little bit. And then you have a different ball. And, and, Like, maybe that has affected him a ton, too, that, like, it has a big effect on a lot of different players, and it kind of feels like we're heading more toward an average game moving forward. And and the guys, like you said, like your Aaron Judges of the world, they're going to be even more valuable because their power is just, like, on a different level than uh, some other guys. Number two, Harrison Bader should be fined, suspended, 
and jailed for what he did to Bobby Witt's first home run ball. Yeah, you should be jailed. Absolutely. I mean, come on, man. You know that that was Bobby Wood Jr.'s first bomb. And you knew that Bobby Wood Jr. is a special player. I don't care if it's Bobby Wood Jr. or if it's Joe Schmo down the street. That's your first home run. That absolutely should end up in your hands by the end of the ball game. Throwing the fountain is just disrespectful as heck. And and you know Bader did that because he'll never amount to the player that Bobby Wood Jr. is. Wow. I, I guess uh, I, I don't know that he knew. I guess him and, and Bobby were like kind of joking about it the, the game the day after. So hopefully that's a good sign. I'm sure they had like a somebody with one of those, you know, the, the things that you clean your pool out with, like scoop it out, it's, hopefully for swif- him. It's not a Swiffer. It's a, it, I'm going to have to think of what that's called. That, there, Definitely there's a name not for a Swiffer. It. There's a name for it. I can't think of what it is. Okay, number three, better reason for getting tossed. Madison Bumgarner or Max Scherzer? I, I think Bumgarner. Um, that was, I, I mean, that was okay. weird. It was weird. It the whole situation was weird. You know, we're we're actually noticing a lot of issues with umpires in the strike zone. Um, I think this is becoming a almost a tipping point at this point. Um, yeah, I, I'm going to go with Bumgarner just because of the whole uh, strange circumstances surrounding what happened there. I think that he had a reason for argument. Yeah. So like Max Scherzer. Um... That one makes more sense because it's just a guy who is seems very intense arguing balls and strikes. I'm surprised that doesn't happen more with players on the bench, to be completely honest. So, like, that that happens. Um, so, I would say he has the better reason for getting tossed if you're saying better reason is in, like, what makes more sense. The Bumgarner one was just weird. Like, the umpire is, like, massaging his hand, trying to figure out if he has, like, a substance on there. And the whole video, he's not looking at his hand. The umpire for like five seconds is just like staring into the eyes of Madison Bumgarner as he massages his hand. Like it, uh, no offense. It looked like he was getting turned on. It, it, <laughs> did, it, it was very awkward. It was a very odd thing to watch. Uh, um, so yeah, if I was Madison Bumgarner, I'd be like, what the hell, man? Like what's going on here? And then he gets tossed. So like I, that was, it was just a weird situation. With the personality of Madison Bumgarner, too, you just I, I wish I could have been a fly on the wall in that conversation because, yeah, there's no other way to put it other than that's weird and, and <laughs> just the strangest interaction that you've seen. So, that, that is uh, – yeah, that's pretty good stuff right there. Okay, number four, Dusty Baker became the first black manager to reach 2,000 wins. Do you have a favorite Dusty Baker memory? Not at all. There's no memory no, whatsoever. No, I, I – yeah, I mean – you know, I've had a chance to meet him. I think it, the number is eight or nine times now. And um, some of those aren't memories because I was, you know, four months old. I was carried over the fence uh, to meet him. That was my first interaction with him. And then I was two years old and they brought me down to the dugout with him. And uh, apparently I was in the dugout and uh, decided to sprint to the mound because I thought that was a cool thing to do. So um, little Dusty didn't know any better. But my, my best memory with Dusty is probably the most recent one. Um, weird full circle moment for me was uh, being a, you know, a baseball fan my entire life. And whenever I would see him, I would say, you know, one day I'll be in the dugout with you. And it actually kind of happened. Uh, maybe not the way I drew it up, but um, had a chance to be down in the dugout, interviewed him, and then uh, reintroduced myself. He, he knew pretty immediately. Um, you know, about the whole story because he's seen me over the years and uh, obviously I've changed a little bit, probably have gained a bit of a beer gut over time. Um, but uh, yeah, that was a really cool moment to to see it come full circle. He's just such a good guy and 
Um, I think for anybody out there that, you know, hasn't had a chance on a personal level to meet him or talk to him, he, he is truly one of the nicest and honest and genuine MLB people that we have in the game. And uh, I'm very blessed to be named after him and, uh, yeah, just super thankful um, to have had those interactions with him. Have you, have you ever met him, Derek, or have you had any memory of him that, like, stands out? No, I – I never met him and, and he was in the Giants era before I was, you know, really that old to kind of appreciate or, or understand what was going on. Like he was with the Giants 202 and, you know, they almost win the World Series over the Angels. It's a shame he hasn't won the World Series because you had that one where they were up 3-2 and they kind of blow it in game six. You had the Astros last year that had a shot to give him um, one. How about 1993? The Giants won 103 games and didn't even make the postseason. They won 97 games in 2000 didn't even make the postseason. Like, he won 90 games, one, two, three, four, five times with the Giants. And he only made the playoffs one time That's doing that. <laughs> it's incredible um, because of the, just the way that the playoffs were structured and the divisions were. For some reason, the Atlanta Braves were in the NL West. Someone makes sense of that to me when the Braves were in their prime. Um, so it kind of stinks um, because, like, the, the best memory I've had with Dusty Baker on the field – is or on the diamond is with uh, when he's been going against the Giants. Like I think back to the 2012 uh, NLDS where the Giants overcome a 2-0 hole and Buster Posey hits a grand slam in game five and breaks it open and the Giants end up winning the World Series that year. But to your point, like you only hear good stories about him. And so like awesome for him to have done that. And I'd imagine we're going to be seeing uh, more black managers to come in the future, and hopefully we do, because that'd be a good thing. Okay, uh, number five, who would you take number one in a dynasty league if the draft were today? Probably Wander Franco. Uh, I think that he's the most pure hitter in baseball um, from that perspective at that age. Uh, I think he gives you a really good positional value. He gives you a premium value, and, uh, you know, we had talked prior to the draft this year about how it felt like Wander Franco was an automatic top five pick. Um, you can make the argument that, you know, Juan Soto and, um, you know, Vlad Guerrero Jr. and Tatis could all be in the equation here. But Franco is so young, and I don't even think we've seen the height of his potential. And that's scary. When he's going to get the power tool involved with what is already an elite hit tool, I, I think that's who I would take. So I would actually have Wander three because um, he is super young. But, like, it's funny because Vladdy is 23. Juan Soto is 23. Right. So, like, uh, you know, Wander could be those guys and, and who knows. But, um, gosh, those guys are already, like, MVP level. And the thing with, with Franco is that even though he could be a 300 hitter for a very long time and he'll still have, like, good power and good steal numbers, I don't know that Wander Franco is ever going to be the guy that like hits 40 or 50 home runs in a season. Whereas that will happen a lot for Juan Soto and Vladimir Guerrero. So I would go with one of the, I'd probably go Soto one Guerrero two and uh, Franco three would be my order, but I'd have to think through that more. All right. Last one. It is May the 4th. So may the 4th be with you. Who is the ideal pitcher and who is the ideal hitter among star Wars characters? Who? Um, I think the ideal pitcher off the, the top of my head, Noah Syndergaard just feels like a Star Wars Obi-Wan Kenobi. Noah Syndergaard is not a Star Wars character. He, he, he's Thor, but can't you imagine him with the flow 
uh, being a character in Star Wars. What? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Do you question? can you name can you name a Star Wars character? Oh yeah, is the question who's the Star Wars character or who we think would be a good Star Wars character? What Star Wars character would be a good MLB pitcher in him? Oh, oh, we're doing the flip side. I thought who would be a good character in Star Wars. Okay, well that's completely different. The best player that, or the best Star Wars character that would be a good MLB player. I mean, you have to see a guy that can have a really, you know, pure swing, and I think that comes down to Obi Wan Kenobi. Or Anakin Skywalker, right? Darth Vader did last a very long career. Um, he had a very mm. nice, long, ongoing one. So I think with that in mind, uh, and knowing that he didn't even get killed, if you will, um, he just kind of died based off of facing his son. I, I'm going to go with Anakin. Okay, I would go with Darth Vader for the hitter. I could see him just being hitting tanks, being an absolute power hitter. You know, a chunky boy up there, knocking him deep. Chunky um, boy. As far as um, the pitcher goes, I go back and forth, right? Because I, I don't know. Like, are you allowed to use the force? Is that cheating? If so, you, you use like Yoda or something because he can maneuver the ball wherever he wants while it's in the air, and that just makes it impossible. Um, but also, you could argue: Do you take a guy like uh, Emperor Palpatine because he's just he's crafty out there? Yeah. You know, he's devious. He's he's gonna know a good plan how to get you out. But I think who I would go with for the pitcher, if if you can't use the force and you can't do that, and that's like cheating. I think you have to go with a droid. You go with like R2-D2 <laughs> because it is going to be able to calibrate exactly how fast and where to pitch the baseball. Is R2-D2 the best one? CP3, C-3PO, I don't know. C-3PO is kind of dysfunctional as a unit. You're not flexible enough. Yeah, what about the, R2-D2 uh, the most, would just shoot it out of his body somewhere. I don't know. The, the most recent droids that we saw in these, uh, these you know, later Star Wars movies, um, I feel like they could have some sort of impact as well. You know, I, I'll be honest, like you have to think about accuracy as a pitcher, right? Mm-hmm. And so who is a guy that, you know, comes across to you as somebody that, you know, was very accurate all the time mm. in Star Wars? A guy that... On Solo? There you go. That's who okay. in my head would be a really good pitcher. I, I think that, you know, he kind of did it the old-fashioned way, right? He would bring out the guns and... Um, he was all, yeah, he's, on- he's getting pissed. If the manager comes out in the seventh inning and he's working on a no hitter, he's yeah. yelling at him. Yeah. Han Solo. And, and how about this? Okay. The name Han Solo, what are you on the Hill? You're solo. You're by yourself. <laughs> it just makes sense. So yes, but I'm going to go back to my point real quickly. Noah Syndergaard would make a fantastic star Wars character because of the hair. That's, that's where I was going with that one. Um, and then as for a position player, I think you have to always go with the hair. Charlie Blackman would be a phenomenal Star Wars character, right? Don't you see him being a guy that could do well in there? Yeah, he basically already is Chewbacca with the hair situation. (laughs) That is our uh, episode of Booze and Baseball. He's Dusty Baker. I'm Derek Johnson. We'll be back for another episode next week. Don't forget to check out all the great work at Just Baseball, including our State of the NL West podcast over there. You can subscribe to us. Wherever you find your podcasts, now on Spotify as well. And uh, we are at Booze and Baseball on Twitter. You can shoot us an email, boozeandbaseball at gmail.com.